bless your worship team. Wonderful, wonderful time in the Lord, in the presence of the Lord. And while the worship team is coming back, I just want to tell you one more testimony before I get into the word of God. It was a blessing to be in St. Louis. I know it was a long way to go over there, four hours, come back four hours uh, for a half a day or, you know, whatever. But I, I just, I am addicted to outreach and missions. Hi, my name is Ron and I have a problem. I want to see people, <laughs> I want to see people saved. I know you do too. But it'll make a man drive all the way to St. Louis. But here's what I know. You don't have to drive to St. Louis. You can drive to church tonight. David, I don't know if you want to get a table and sit out in the parking lot and make some balloon animals. We'll let them go and pull over and get a balloon animal. If you need help, I can help you make a dog and a sword. If you need help, if you need help, I might be praying for somebody else. I've done all the dogs and swords. I'm, re- I'm, I'm, I'm at my quota for the weekend. But, uh, but there may be some of you who want to help tonight. I, I really hope that you come out. But one of the highlights for me was they put up, uh, you saw, uh, maybe I'll show a video at the end of the message here. There was a team there at Berea Temple. And it's an international church, so they had some Africans and they had some some uh, Caribbean Jamaicans. And, they, man, listen, they know how to worship God in the Caribbean. My goodness. And in Spanish, Pablo, in Espanol, hallelujah. Gloria a Dios. It was amazing. And you know me. I want in on all of it. I'm addicted to all of that. And so I'd rather be addicted to Jesus and worship and missions than addicted to drugs and alcohol and pain. Come on. Looking at me strange. My life has been transformed by the glory of God. You should have seen me. And such were some of you. Is anybody glad to be saved? So they had a big baptismal pool, like, and the people got saved. They put them in the baptistry right away. Jeans, T-shirt, everything. They just, shh, right there. And uh, it was a glorious sight. About six people got saved and baptized on the spot, on the spot. And, and I just clapped. But one of my favorite scenes was a, a father. Because one of the volunteers we all had on our church. You know how volunteers all. They only volunteer because you give them a T-shirt. Teasing. I'm teasing. Don't get nervous. But uh, wear your T-shirts tonight, by the way. But anyway, just dad's little boy. He must have been 12. He had a T-shirt on. And dad was there. Dad was unexpected. This is a church that came from Kansas City to spring to St. Louis to work the outreach. And the, and the little boy came up to the pool and told the pastor of a Berea Temple, I want to get baptized. And he said, I'm here with my dad. And, and so so the pastor, Mike, said, hey, where's this boy's dad? And this big old tall military man came up, big old tears in his eyes, and he said, can I baptize my son? And the pastor said, absolutely. And he got in that tank, in that pool, whatever, and baptized us, and they hug and embrace. I mean, no, that's a beautiful sight. That was worth the drive to St. Louis. Would you help me give God praise for that family, that little boy that, that found, uh, found it in his heart? I think he was so moved by the outreach, and he hadn't, baptized, he hadn't been baptized in water yet, uh, but he loved the Lord, and he was on the mission trip, and he got baptized. And I'll tell you, if some of you are here never been baptized, or you've been in church a long time, I would highly recommend it. There's something, it's like an igniting fire that just, just gets in your spirit. Uh, when you when you stand publicly and declare you've decided to follow Jesus, and so so I encourage you to do that. At the end of the uh, the end of the month of July, we're having a baptism. So so God will turn it around. How many believe that? That's what we're going to talk about. And here's the text. And I've been in chapter nine. I know we had Father's Day, and and man, brother Bob E. B. did a wonderful job. 
did he not on El Shaddai? I mean, just incredible. And uh, and then uh, Jake the week before and Joanna, we could not not have them. But maybe that's why I'm so fired up today because I've been two weeks without. <laughs> you you know, <laughs> if you leave a lion in a cage and don't feed him, he wants to he wants to get after it, right? So I need some help. Who helped me preach today? Oh, three of you. That's exciting. Who's going to help Pastor preach this message today? Hey, there y'all are. Let's look at it in the New King James Version. So when he had received food, this is the Apostle Paul, okay? He had received food. He just got healed by Ananias, uh, um, uh, a no-name, if you please, a no-name. How many know God doesn't just say big names? He saves no-names. And Ananias steps in. I tell you, that's the bravest guy in the New Testament. I mean, you want me to lay hands on on Saul of Tarshish? Really, Lord? I think you should send David Boyd. You know what I mean? He's the one. But when he had received food, he was strengthened. And then Saul, uh, still calling him Saul, that's how fresh he is. He spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately he preached immediately. Here's a good idea. When you get saved, immediately share the the good news of Jesus. Immediately he preached to Christ, the Christ, the anointed one. Uh, That's who he was. In the synagogues, uh, that's the church of the day. And that is, uh, he is the son of God. That is the message. Christ is the person uh, that he is the son of God is the content of the message. Are y'all hearing me? All right. And then all who heard were amazed and said, is this not he? who destroyed those who call on this name, Christ, in Jerusalem, and has come here uh, for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests. But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded, confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. I got to tell you that he was so incredibly uh, learned, intellectually learned knowledge of, of Judaism and the law and that when he got saved, he connected the dots. How many glad God allowed you to connect the dots from the Old Testament to the New Testament? When when it hit Saul uh, and he became Paul, God renewed his mind and transformed his spirit, and he got it. And God used him in a powerful way to blow the mind of the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah who was to come, that they were waiting on. So after many days were passed, the Jews, well, this is called a turnaround. Things were going well. And then verse 23, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Welcome to the kingdom, Saul. Then the disciples took him by night and led him down through the wall in a large basket. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, He tried to join all the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. And they didn't believe that he was a disciple. After all, he just got papers from the high priest to kill all the Christians. So don't look so holy. What would you think? Just like the crowd crying, crucify him. Remember? So they didn't really have all the information. They didn't understand. But Barnabas, I'm glad for Barnabas. If you have a Barnabas in your life, you are a blessed individual, son of encouragement, somebody that's going to encourage you, somebody that's going to step in there with you, a prayer partner, somebody to walk with you, a paraclete. I mean, I'm glad for the Holy Ghost, but sometimes you need people. 
you need people. And Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. And he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And so he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out, Barnabas and Paul. And he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenists. The Hellenists were the Greek-speaking Jews, right, that were scattered and coming back to Jerusalem. They learned Greek from the Greek culture, uh, and so they are, are the Hellenists. And remember that in Acts 6, the uh, the widows, the Hellenists, those widows were kind of uh, fell through the crack, and, and they had to take care of the widows. And that's where Stephen came in, and the and the deacons came in, and then Stephen went out, and Ananias and Sapphira went out. How many know it's up and down in the early church? There's some good days, and then there's some bad days. So some good days and turns, and it's bad. Then it turns, and it's good. Are y'all with me? So when the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. They're going to get rid of him. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, look at this, had peace and were edified. You know what that is? That's a turnaround situation. Would you lift your hands and thank God for a turnaround, for a turnaround. And they walked in the fear of the Lord, I underlined it. And they walked in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, I underlined it. And they were multiplied. Praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. That's all I have as far as that. Now take your notebooks and take some notes. I can't spoon feed you every weekend. Amen. God's going to turn this thing around. The last time we met about Paul, he got saved. And what a great day that was for the church. And it was just getting started. Amen. And Jesus resurrected. That was the inauguration, right, of the church. And then, and then also Pentecost was the beginning because that was where the Holy Spirit came down in Acts chapter two and, and just blessed and empowered the church and sent the church out. Aren't you glad they didn't stay in the upper room? God didn't intend to send the Holy Spirit for the disciples to stay in the upper room. He empowered them to go. Jesus said, get out of here, go and preach and teach and give the gospel, right? Tell them the good news. And I'm not sure what you believe, but I still believe that our best days for the church are ahead of us. And we will see a last day's outpouring. I know this. Say, Pastor, how do you know? Because Joel chapter 2 said, in the last days, I will. It's not I might, might, not I may. I will pour out my spirit on who? All flesh. And your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men see visions and your old men will dream dreams. I'm not sure if I want to be dreaming dreams or seeing visions. But uh, don't be careful. Are you okay? You okay, mom? Okay. It's her birthday today. Give God praise for her birthday. And she may not be feeling well. So God bless you, sweetie. But uh, that's Bear's mom and dad, by the way. And, uh, and so young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams. And so I'm hoping I'm not dreaming the dreams just yet. But that's what's happening. That's how I know that the best days are ahead. Amen? In fact, Joel chapter 2 is synonymous with Acts chapter 2. In fact, Peter said this is that which was prophesied in Joel that God is starting the church and empowering the church to go. So in essence, you can sum up the book of Acts that Jesus went up, the Holy Spirit came down, and the church went out. And that's where we find ourselves in the early church. But Jesus said also, I will build my church 
and the gates of hell will not stop it. So these up and downs, I just want to, I want you to get the feel of the culture of it. Jesus is doing miracles and wonderful things. Messiah has come, Hosanna. And then just a couple of days later, he died. He died a horrible death on the cross. Man, what a turnaround. Messiah's dead. Three days later, what a turnaround. How many know he's alive? Listen, listen, the gospel's not schizophrenic and neither are you. But life is made up of these high moments. And then like the two on the road to Emmaus, very low moments. Man, they were hiding, scattered. And then another high moment, Acts chapter 2, the spirit falls, the church is baptized, hallelujah. How many glad for Pentecost? It's just, it's just like that. Even throughout the Old Testament, when you had a good king, we had good days. King David, woo! A bad king, bad days. And just to, I just came to encourage you because it appears that the New Testament church is in the midst of a world and is filled with bad days. But I come to tell you that God's about to do a turnaround. I said, I feel it in my spirit. Revival is coming in these last days. Why? Because Jesus said it would. I believe it's coming to Old Grove. I mean, I mean, church with a big C as well. I mean, around the world. Because God is the founder, amen? He created it. He created the church. He ordained it. He established it. He blessed it. He empowered it. It is so. And because Jesus is the foundation, 1 Corinthians 3.11, there is no other foundation that can be laid that hadn't already been laid. Christ Jesus, our Lord. He's the foundation. From the beginning of the world, God had a plan. And how many know Satan himself cannot stop it from the encouraging word from the Lord and the Holy Spirit today? How many know he's going to turn it around? He's going to turn it around. And because I believe the church's uh, future. Wow. Everybody wants to know the future. Can I, can, I, can I tell you, I'm not a psychic. I don't know. I am not reading your poem. But I can tell you right now, you don't have to pay me nothing. Don't call 1-800, 1-900. You don't have to do none of that. I can tell you. You're going to live eternity in hell or you're going to live eternity in heaven. There's your future. You owe me nothing. Thanks for coming. Let us pray. So whether you ever considered this or not, your whole life is based upon your hope of what you have invested in for tomorrow. Everybody does that. Save up for retirement, right? Everybody wants to take care of things so we can have hope for tomorrow and we all look to the future. And, you you know, you get married with the future in mind, right? As a single person, well, I'm going to get married. And, uh, and I just gave in. Melissa stalked me until I gave in. And I married her. And in October, going on 40 years, could you help me celebrate the patience of that wonderful lady? Listen. You, 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 you hope for kids in the future after you get married. Uh, your investments are made based upon future hopes. And, and psychics and fortune tellers are making a killing, misleading, gullible Christians who want to know the future. How many know the future is big business? Stocks and bonds and sold for people who are looking to buy into something big. Well, have I a deal for you? Can I tell you, if you want to make an investment, make it in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because how many know one of these days God's going to split that sky and we're going to go back and be with him. But until then, he's going to pour out his spirit 
and change the nations. I believe he's going to turn it around. I don't know what you believe, but uh, you didn't come to a depressed church. You came to a spirit-filled church. Amen? God ordained it, created it, and established it. In the middle of a crooked and perverted generation, he raises up a church. Now, the church is anemic today. I'm not naive. I'm not naive. I understand that things are are kind of bad and the situation is is carnal and there's a lot of things going on. But but I want you to know every week there's reports in this world of financial crisis, layoffs, banks closing, fraud, theft, theft, natural disasters, bankruptcy, insurance, federal aid is all bankrupt, backward culture who loves materialism more than they love the life of a baby. It's real. Confused. And there's a day soon where a preacher will stand and spend time in jail for preaching the truth and a murderer will go free like Barabbas. Right here. Right here. Criminal seems to be winning and the Christian seems to be losing. But I believe there's a turnaround coming. I said I came to shout it loud that there's still one ship in the sea of life that will keep on sailing through these rough waters. I believe there's an anchor for the soul. His name is Jesus. He is the living God, and don't believe the lies of the church will be uh, uh, okay. I think the church will be okay. You know why? Because it's his church. And I said it's moving forward in this last days. Now, I, I don't know. Uh, it's easy to watch the news. It's easy to see the situation and just give up and, and get fatalistic in your mindset. But I'm here to encourage you that we believe in Jesus. I said we believe in Jesus. And Jesus believes in his church. And, uh, you know, the book of Acts, if you, if you trust in him, uh, we see from the book of Acts that believing it means living with the possibility and the likelihood that bad situations are going to turn around when you least expect it. Now, who here today has ever had a turnaround experience? A miracle from the Lord. A blessing from the Lord. Let me see your hand. Anybody, you got in a bad situation and the Lord turned it around. Would you help me give him praise? He's a turnaround God. He loves to do that. But I also know I'm not dumb, naive, or stupid, or blind. Satan loves to leave us with a devastating feeling of a pessimist and a doubter and a fatalist. And there's a spirit in the church today. Not ours, because we don't allow it to be here. I mean, no, we cast down strongholds and vain imaginations. We call the devil what he is, a liar, and we get that spirit out of here. But the fatalistic spirit, that, that idea that, that, um, that put, it puts on, on Christians even, it's a feeling that this is the way it's going to be forever and nothing's ever going to change, and that's that. Uh, they say things like, this is just, just the way I am. Hey, I, I can't help the way you are. But how many know Jesus can help you the way you're going to be? I don't know about you, but I'm glad I'm not what I used to be. I'm not who I ought to be, but you just hang in there. Wait till, he, wait, wait till you see what I'm going to be. There's hope in the future, amen? And so it's not just the way I am. That's just the way my spouse is. That's just the way my kids are, pastor. It's the way work is at work. There's no, there's no way. Uh, my body is just this way. I was, I was born to be in this state. I mean, oh, the devil is a liar. And so, God will forever help us get through this ever-changing culture that seems so lost and so confused. 
And, 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 and listen, that lie that says it will go on this way forever and probably get worse, you know, I, I came to let you know Jesus reserves the right to turn it all around. I said Jesus deserves the right to turn it all around. Would somebody shout, turn it around, Lord? Turn it around. And I just want faith to be built up because in the book of Acts chapter 9, it was pretty bad. But fatalism is not true because Jesus Christ is not dead. And he's not distant. And he don't have a, a I don't care attitude about his church. How many believe Jesus is going to take care of his church? Not only is he going to build it, he's going to protect her and care for her. He's going to empower her and build her up. He's going to, he's going to be, he's going to be building something. And that's the truth. And so when we see that uh, all this loud, loud minority speaking in America today, I mean, no, that's not a lot of people. It just sounds like a lot of people. Help me out here. It sounds like a lot of people. It's very few people, like 1% maybe. Maybe it's getting bigger, 5%. But how many of those 7,000 have not bowed their knee to Baal? There's still a church. There's still a remnant. And I still believe in old-fashioned revival is coming to the church. I believe that. So Jesus is not distant. He's not silent. He's not weak. He's not uninterested in what's happening in our world. He's alive. He's El Shaddai. So persecution breaks out against the early church. You saw that from Acts 1. Stephen dies. And um, and I'm sure Paul laid waste, verse 3, the church, and entering house to house, dragged men off, women off, committed them to prison. And you could just say, no, well, that's the way it is. And that's the way it is. Stephen's dead. Jesus, you know, where are you at now? How many's ever say, how many's ever said, God, where are you at now? That's a fatalistic mindset. It creeps in. Where are you at now, God? I mean, you know, things were good last year, but now there's COVID. We're never going to make it. How many know the devil is a liar? It'll take more than a worldwide pandemic to stop the church. It's like an unstoppable train. I said, this train is bound for glory, this train. This is the gospel train. This is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is not the church defeated. This is the church triumphant. But you got to gain a mindset to help you continue on. Otherwise, fatalism will break into you and, uh, and keep you in a depressive state. It seemed as though everybody was against the church. Can you imagine just a second here with me about the early church? All right, and and even Paul. Okay, it seemed like everybody was against the church. Um, they had no legal protection. Uh, Jesus is gone. They have the power of the Holy Spirit. Not sure they know how much power they have. I mean, there is this idea in the church of the 21st century that I don't know if they're living to the potential that God, the Holy Spirit, wants them to. I mean, the power of God is in you. And we're living below the potential like we're eating crumbs under the table when we should be feasting at the master's banquet table. It's a mindset. And so I just want you to catch it because they had no legal protection. All the power structures are indifferent, hostile toward them. And uh, wouldn't you be tempted to murmur? Wouldn't you be tempted to be depressed? The Romans hate you. The Romans are against you. The world's against you. The Jewish council, the Sanhedrin is against you. So the, so the world's against you and the religious world is against you. And the priests are against you. They give authority to Saul to go and kill Christians. Man, they, they must have thought this is the way it's going to be for a long time. 
Taylor, that's it. Just Katie, bar the door. The church is it was short-lived. It was good for a moment. And then God turned it around. And he took the killer. <laughs> he, he took the hunter and made him the hunted. I mean, no, God took the persecutor and saved him. Not just saved him. He transformed him from a murderer, a religious murderer, to a Pentecostal preacher that shook the nations of the world. Wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. I mean, no, that's a transformation. He converted Saul to Paul. I mean, no, that's a good turnaround. That's a turnaround. And it's worth shouting about. But the momentum is too great. Powers of evil are too entrenched around us. America's far gone. There's no peace for a long time. Church will never have peace. Paul is out there. He's, I'm not even sure I want to pray for him. The people in Jerusalem, Christian churches, didn't want to accept him. Thank God for Barnabas. One hope-filled, faith-filled man. Small man in the church believed in the big guy. There's a lot of power and a lot of pride. But God took all of that, stripped that Saul of Tortius down, and made him a Pentecostal preacher. How many know sometimes it's funny? God will save and use the least and the worst. Look at Jonah. Look at Gideon. And then it's almost funny. God says, oh, brave man of valor. And he's hiding in the wine press. Yeah, the Bible's funny to me. I just love reading it. You should try it sometimes. But the Bible is definitely not boring, and it's definitely not predictable. How I many know oh, Jesus is anything but predictable? And so if people among us don't have this idea that emphatically the fatalism is not the way we have to be or should be because Jesus is alive and Jesus turns things around and Jesus is full of surprises, and before you know it, the persecuted church is walking with the one who's preaching. He's walking and discussing and blowing the minds of the Jews, confounding their minds. Why? Because he knew all about Judaism. He knew all about the Old Testament and all the prophets, and he was blowing their minds. Because he said, this Jesus, I don't know what I was thinking. This is the Messiah. It's the Messiah. How do you know? How do you know, Paul? I met him on the road to Damascus. I used to talk about him coming, but I met him. I mean, there's a difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus personally. He encountered him. He was confronted with him. He was converted by him. And the point of Acts is to point that the kingdom of God is, is that Jesus is alive. And, and he, is, he is sick and tired of a fatalistic mindset and pessimistic uh, uh, s- cycles of, of views. And, and I get it. I, I get it. As a pastor in our culture, I mean, before COVID, it seemed like we were rocking and rolling. And during colon, uh, colon or COVID or whatever, whatever your problem is, colons or COVIDs, whatever it is, during COVID, it seemed like we weren't going to make it. But I, I, see this, I see the cloud the size of a man's hand. Oh, you understand what I'm saying? I said, I said, I, I sense a stirring in the atmosphere. Faith is moving in the atmosphere. Jesus is still alive. And the church still has a great future. 
I believe he's going to turn it around. I just want you to be encouraged because, because so many people have made predictions that it's over. Can I tell you? I was talking to Mark by text this weekend and Jess and they, they, they and I saw that video of AI, uh, artificial intelligence. They're going to try to rewrite the Bible. How I many know oh, they're in trouble? The first reason they're in trouble is because they're not as intelligent as they think as they think they are. You know why? I know because of just the very name of it's artificial. It's not real. It's artificial. You can be smart as you want to be. You're never going to be as smart as Jesus. And this world can turn to all of this and try to make a, and they actually, it was scary because uh, I saw the video said, we're going to make the Bible is going to be, you know, uh, really right now because artificially, intellectually, we got it right. I I just got to tell you, Jesus didn't get it wrong. The Holy Spirit didn't get it wrong. I mean, no, a hundred years from now, the Bible will still be the Bible and the church will still be the church because God's going to turn it around. So don't you get weary or concerned about artificial intelligence. They, they can't fix the world because they're artificial. And you can Google that, tweet that. You can, I don't know what you want to do with it, but tweet it. See, it's artificial, but Jesus is real. He's alive. And, and, and this is not a machine. This world is not a machine. It's more like a drama. And how many know Jesus reserves the right to just butt into this business of the church anytime he wants to? And if you think the world's out of hand and the parades are going on and the craziness is going on, how many know Jesus is going to have him a parade one of these days? <laughs> Woo! It's not going to go across the street. It's going to go straight up in the sky. How many know the church is moving out of here? But until we do, we got to move in. I said, until we move out and up, we got to move in. There's still people here without Christ. I mean, I don't know any other reason other than I love you, Old Grove. I have no other reason to hang out with you. I could go to heaven today. And Christian, as talented as you are in worship, we can worship together in the heavens. How many thinks that the worship team up in the high, in the heavens is going to be all right? I don't know what you want. There's a lot of seeker-friendly stuff going on today. It's too loud. It's too low. It's too hot. It's too cold. You go to church and you never know. Nobody gets nothing right. Most miserable place every week is is a church. I'm so I'm so mad. I'm so unhappy. Nothing's going my way. How many know that's called self-centeredness? Okay, get over yourself. But here's the deal: when you get to heaven, how many know it's going to be the right level? You won't need hearing aids. You won't need an air conditioner. You won't need a heater. You won't need a pad for your chair. You won't sit too long. You won't stand too long. You won't do, I did that reverse, but you won't sit too long. You won't stand too long. It's going to be, it's going to be heaven. And, and there won't be, it won't be groups like the old people over here. You know, some churches have strategized that. So the old people don't like the young people's music. Let's put them in this room over here and sing their own songs. And let's get the head-banging youth over here. Let them bang their heads against the wall. Jesus, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. And the old people over here, oh, I love you, Jesus. I mean, it's not going to be like that. Because your preferences are not going to matter. 
The only thing that's going to matter is Jesus. How many thinks he deserves another hand of praise and glory? He, not you. So just because Paul leaves the scene, because in our text, I get right back to it. Paul leaves. He First he leaves. <laughs> it's crazy because, because the whole thing here, here is uh, verse 31 says that the church had peace and was built up. Jesus turned Paul, the persecutor, around, and then he sent him away to Tarshish. And then, and then he stopped the persecution and turned it into peace. That's called a turnaround. You understand that? But before that moment in verse 31, they had him going out of the window, down in a basket, slip out the back door. I don't know if your life has ever been threatened, but I went to Thailand with Jake for the first time, 2015, and we walk into the mall. Jake is like a military, military man. I'm just a chunky pastor. So he's walking 99. I said, please slow down. Unless there's an army and a fight going on, I don't know nothing about. I'm just going to the mall, Jake. And all of a sudden, a pipe goes, a pipe bomb. <laughs> right by the mall, right where we are. Kind of just like over there in, in McKinney, Texas, over there. Just recently. People at the mall, and all of a sudden, a guy comes and shoots everything. How I many know it can go from calm to chaos just like that? It can turn around good to bad just like that. But if it's true for the bad, how I many know it's also true for the good? And as they, as they, as they chase Paul out, and then he went to, to Jerusalem and they wanted to kill him over there. So they sent him to Tarshish. And peace. And peace came. But that's not the end of the story. I only got five more minutes to tell you the rest of the story. Uh, Jesus turned things around. Uh, he also turned uh, people around. Look at the apostle Peter. Even though Paul was gone, peace didn't stop. The Lord didn't stop, right? He did not stop turning things around. And Luke gives us two stories, the ministry of Peter, to show us how Jesus was still uh, breaking in and, and turning things around. I, I tell you, it's not all dependent on Paul. Today we live in a, a culture that has celebrity preachers. And you can find out real quick in the Corinthian church that they, they tried to do that. I am of Paul and I am of Cephas. I'm of Peter. I'm following Peter and I'm following Paul. I'm following, uh, I'm following Apollos. I am of this one and I am of that one. Let's just stop and have, say, have a word of prayer for sister. Uh, let's just stretch your hand this way and ask her. Father God, right now in the name of Jesus, pray your peace will be with my sister and heal and touch and, and deliver in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. So they had, in 1 Corinthians, they had this confusion and distractions about, about who's going to be following who. Can I tell you? You follow Jesus and you'll be okay. But early on, uh, they sent Peter, right? Paul went to Tarsus, so they, they didn't stop. The church didn't stop. If Pastor Ron croaks tomorrow, how many know the kingdom of God will still advance? I don't want to croak tomorrow, but I'm just trying to say. I said, I want to go to heaven, but not today. I might go today if he's coming. Uh, I'll go by rapture. Rapture, I really don't want to sign up for. But here's the deal. Verse 32, Peter goes down to Lydda, northwest of Jerusalem, and he finds a paralyzed man named Aeneas, Aeneas, Aeneas. In verse 34, he says to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. That's it. Jesus Christ heals you. Four words. Can I tell you, it doesn't take but four words to change your situation. 
Jesus Christ heals you. If you're here today, how many believe there's power in the word of God? I believe Peter heard the words and watching Jesus, he said, hey, Jesus heals you. Hey, blind Bartimaeus, Jesus, I am Jesus, I heal you. And so he said, in Jesus' name, I heal you. Remember back in Acts chapter 3, Peter, Peter said, silver and gold have I not, but such as I have, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And the same thing happened to Aeneas as it did to the guy at the gate called Beautiful. Right there, he picked him up, picked up his mat, and he went on. Miracles are still happening. How many believe God can still turn around? And so then in verse 39, Peter goes to Lydda down to Joppa on the coast of the Mediterranean where a disciple named Tabitha had just died. Maybe you know her as Dorcas. Another no name, Dorcas. And her anointing was in her needlepoint. Needlepoint. I mean, oh, God can anoint you and use you to do anything. Don't you ever think that your ministry is insignificant? Dorcas was doing all kinds of ministry. And I believe women can do ministry. Shout that in the face of the Baptist. Glory to God. I don't want to get political. But somebody needs to read their Bible. And so just like that, people got turned around. And so she died, though, here. It's bad news. Verse 40, Peter puts all of her friends outside, kneels down to praise. How many know prayer is the expression of faith? That turns things around. How many believe the power of prayer? We're going to go to the altar in just a few minutes. How many believe in the power of prayer? In laying hands on the sick and they shall recover. Anybody? Jesus can turn it around. And Peter was there. And he goes in. Where did he learn this? Jesus. Remember he went in and they were all the mourners were there. And he got them all out of the house. And Peter and James and John went in. And Jesus said, hey, little girl or Talitha Kumi. Talitha Kumi, a little girl, arise. Here Peter comes to Joppa, and he says to her, Tabitha, arise. And he and she comes back from the dead. How many thinks that's a pretty good miracle? You don't have to write a story about it. You don't have to put it on the web. How I many know oh, Jesus is still doing things, whether you, whether you wanted to or not? And so Peter saw this kind of action. He just walks in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says in verse 35, here it is. Here's the turnaround. All the residents of Lydda uh, and Sharon saw Aeneas healed, and they turned to the Lord. Verse 42, and Tabitha's return to life became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Jesus can turn things around, and he can turn your situation around. I believe that's the purpose of signs and wonders, and I'm almost done here. I just got a little bit left. In my own conviction, the book of Acts is still being written. So it's not the Acts of the Apostles, it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Not written, written as canonically writing the Bible. But, but what's happening, Jesus is still moving. Are you hearing me? I said, I said, Jesus is still moving, and he's moving through his church. He's moving through his church. If his church wants to be used, how many know he'll use you? If you have faith and you believe God is still active today if we're willing to see and receive it. So he has surprises in store for you, for your family. He wants to turn some things around today. And, and I, I said, who is ready for a divine reversal? Anybody? So you're going this way, and it seems like you're going to be in that rut for a long time. I believe God's ready to turn it around this morning. 
And I want them to come back to the platform as I finish this up because we're going to go into the altars. So many things I could say about ruts, unexpected routines of religious life. But I want to stick to the text, verse 31. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the church was multiplied. Here's the atmosphere for a turnaround situation. Walk in the fear of the Lord. Walking in the fear. How many know we lost the fear of God? America lost the fear of God. Remember when Ananias and Sapphira got struck down dead? That's the fear of God. How powerful is El Shaddai? If you lie to the Holy Ghost, boom, you're dead. I mean, no, that'll put some fear in you. And so they, they walked in the fear of God and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. The fear of God is the sense of awe that the Lord God is infinitely holy and infinitely powerful and may not be trifled with. He is free to break in uh, with indescribable ways. Heart-stopping suddenness and power whenever and wherever he pleases. He can empty out the White House tonight. He can call everything that's crooked straight tonight. He can call us all out of here today. That's the power of the fear of God. The fear of the Lord is what the disciples felt when he stilled the storm. When Ananias and Sapphira dropped dead. You don't don't make light of this. You You don't... dally with God or take his name in vain or treat him like he's uh, insult him as though he's not interested in what's going on in America I mean God can straighten America out with one breath with one word boom done he can send a revival to every church I said he can I said with one breath of his (laughs) of his lungs if he has any he can send revival to every dead church in America So, I'm glad it's not dependent upon me. But we have to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. That's what Peter says later on. And that was the atmosphere of the early church. Jesus broke in with healing power and turned around sickness and even death itself. And then the comfort of the Holy Spirit. That's the last thing before we come. Won't you stand to your feet, make you feel optimistic, like we're almost done here. The other, the other part is the comfort of the Holy Spirit Jesus broke in with such power they walked in the comfort of the Holy Spirit verse 31 the church walked in peace they were in turmoil and God turned it around and now they're walking in peace I guess the best picture if if you're not you know you're in you're in the Bible belt you're in the Midwest and what we have a threat uh, of climate here is is uh tornadoes and I don't like them and I know you don't either but in South Louisiana we had on the coast we had threats of hurricanes hurricanes a hurricane is is a storm that comes up out of the Gulf usually uh, from the Atlantic on over or or the other way and and it'll get up to 75 miles an hour winds sustained and it could it could go up uh, even to 200 mile an hour winds as the last one did destroyed a lot of Louisiana. But there's something called the eye, the eye of the hurricane. Google it. In the eye of the hurricane, 
The sun could come out. There's no wind blowing whatsoever. In the circumference of the storm, it's a little eye. It's like a circle there. And it looks like the most beautiful day. The sun is shining. There's no wind blowing. It's awesome. And all around you is 200 mile an hour winds. That's what's going on. And I'm telling you where the church is today. In the 21st century, I'm telling you, in June, in June, the last weekend of June, 2023, the church is in the eye of the hurricane. And there's peace. And there's peace. But if you're on the east side of that thing, those bands of winds are rough. The eye is in the middle. So we may not be out of the storm yet, Oak Grove. Are you hearing me? I want our prayer partners to come. Some of you are here today and you're not out of the you're not out of the storm. You're not out yet. You might be in the midst of the blowing winds and the treacherous rains. And and even tornadoes can you know spike come into that. Lightning is crazy. Power wind, lines are down. It's just a, it's just a mess. It's a mess. It's a storm. But how many know? This too shall pass. And you can have peace. God can turn it around. I don't know who's here this morning. And I don't know what you're going through. But we got about five minutes. If you want to stay longer, you're more than welcome. But usually everybody vacates the premises as soon as I say amen. But if you need a miracle, if you need a turnaround situation, Melissa's going to join us. Dave, if you and Mary want to join us, you're more than welcome to join us. We need some prayer partners because I believe there's some people that are going to have a turnaround situation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're here, if you're here and you need a turnaround, I don't care what it is. It could be financially. It could be emotionally. It could be spiritually. It could be relationally. You need a turnaround in your life. Jesus is here. And I want you to have expectancy and hope that things are going to turn around. Anybody here, say with a raised hand, say, I have, I have a need of a turnaround.